What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Locked on Vikings. I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter, at Locked on Vikings. And hey, if you listen to this show on your commute, and you don't like having to, to scroll through your phone and dig through a podcast app to find it, you can just ask your smart device, play podcast Locked on Vikings. This works for Locked on NFL Draft, which you might be interested in right now, Locked on NFL, any of the other Locked on podcasts if you're a fan of other teams. And that way you can get to any podcast in the Locked On Network without having to lift a finger. Way more convenient if you are the type that likes to listen to podcasts in the car. It's a pretty sweet deal. And also a sweet deal is how much news there is today. Everybody's at the Combine, which means that all the GMs and agents and coaches are, you know, mingling around and shaking hands. And that means that there's going to be a lot of rumors. And that also means that there's press conferences with principal members of all the teams, including our very own Minnesota Vikings. And that gives us a whole bunch to talk about. So I know I said earlier in the week that today would be like another mock offseason. And I do have an idea for what I'm going to do for that, but I think we're going to push it into next week. And because we'll have the combine, we'll be able to actually do a draft as well with it and and have that be a little bit more informed. So I think there's a bunch of reasons to push that off. And we're going to talk a little bit more about current events today. So the first thing that I am going to touch on is probably the biggest news of the day, at least the most concrete news of the day, which is that Mike Zimmer uh, had his option exercised for the 2020 season. So the reason that we're dealing with next year's things this year is because that's the way the contract works, right? It's it's built in so that when Mike Zimmer was entering the final year of his contract, the Vikings get an option to tack another one on if they're not ready to be done yet, and they elected to do so. And that is, by and large, pretty fun news, because as much as, you know, players and coaches are going to kind of tell you, no, we're not distracted, we're focused, and blah, 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 it's always going to be in the back of your head and they can lie about it on the podium all they want. It changes the dynamic of the decisions that you make because when you are in a contract year, and this is very apparent in players and I think it's true with coaches as well and it's why teams really, really don't like coaches coaching in a contract year, even if they're coaches like on the quote-unquote hot seat or whatever, it kind of turns that year, that final year, into an audition for every other team and then you might be focused on making yourself look good rather than making the team win. And while, you know, most of the time those two goals coincide, if they ever don't, you don't want a coach thinking that they're in an audition year. So teams really, really don't like coaches being in the final year of their contract, and the Vikings exercise the option to make sure that they too are not in that situation. Now notice, all of that logic has nothing to do with how good the team that thinks that coach is. And I know there's a whole bunch of debate about Mike Zimmer, and there probably always will be after a season where the team doesn't make the playoffs of like whether or not he's the guy, right? And I'm a big fan of Zimmer. I think he's like one of the better coaches in the league. But I understand that there's a lot of people that don't feel that way and actually feel that like he's kind of on the hot seat, that he's kind of like playing for his job a little bit this year. And and I do think that to a degree, I mean, if the team starts out three and eight and the, you know, the Vikings make a change, that wouldn't shock me at all. But I don't think this particular move really tells us. I, I saw some of the response to that announcement kind of saying like, aha, the, the Zim haters are eating their words now. And I don't think that's true either. Because even if you think that that coach is, you know, on borrowed time or they're, you know, entering the last year that they'll be your coach, you still kind of want to extend them just to incentivize the right decision making. And because coaching salaries, I mean, they don't count against the salary cap. There's really no limit to how much you can spend on your coach. And with these, you know, mega money franchises owned by mega money billionaires and gajillionaires, 
they don't really have a problem shelling out to, you know, make sure that their coaching situation is correct. So if you think about like coaching, quote unquote, dead money, like if the Raiders were to, you know, fire John Gruden in the next few years, which is a likely scenario, and and they still have, you know, a bunch of like years of that $100 million contract guaranteed, it doesn't actually affect the franchise. It just affects the owner of the franchise who can probably afford it. So whatever decision they're going to make, they're probably not going to consider the money that heavily in making that decision. We've seen all sorts of coaches get extensions in the year, you know, right before they get fired. The Vikings did it with with Brad Childress even. You know, we saw it happen with Jeff Fisher and Marvin Lewis, and, and you know, these guys will get an extension and then it kind of doesn't really help them at all. Uh, the, the only way to extend your leash as an NFL coach is to win. And that's what Mike Zimmer will have to do. And if he loses too much, he's out. He says that all the time. How long his leash is right now, I think that's up for a lot of debate. I think it's longer than a lot of other people think it is. But the point is, this extension doesn't really move the needle in that vein at all. Now, Rick Spielman also gave a press conference today, uh, and, and part of it was announcing that extension. He was also asked about his own contract, where there's also a similar structure where he has an option, and he's also entering the last year of his contract, and he refused to say anything, obviously, uh, but the fact that they didn't happen simultaneously could be interesting, uh, and it could be completely absolutely nothing, and he could just get his option picked up next week, you know, when they had to have the conversations without Rick in the room for that one, you know? Overall, probably not worth stressing too much about. I think if, if Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer end up leaving the Vikings, it won't be because their contracts expired and the Vikings failed to extend them. It will be a conscious decision based on performance. And same goes for if, you know, they are around for a long time. Either way, it's going to be based on merit, not this contract situation. That will all resolve itself depending on what all the parties want. So one more really quick piece of news before we move on to the main topic and namesake of today's show. Uh, Nick Easton was cleared by doctors to play. If you recall, he was kind of slated to compete for the starting guard job headed into 2018. He had a bulging disc in his neck, had to get surgery for that. That put him out for the season. That is typically a, a an injury that you can recover from in less than a year. So it's not very surprising that he's able to come back and, you know, he's totally cleared to go. We'll see how training camp goes for him. You know, sometimes there's some rust to knock off and there might be some, some rehab that needs to be done. It'll be worth watching. Um, but it would be wise, I think, for the Vikings to bring him back into camp. Coming off of an injury and not being all that great before he started, I don't think he should be anointed the job or anything, but competition, you know, always makes things better. Because now you, you, you know, if you bring in Nick Easton, you establish a standard for any other guard you bring in, you don't start unless you're better than Nick Easton. Now Nick Easton is the worst we can do. And that's a nice standard to draw. But all that will probably be addressed after the Combine. You know, there's a few weeks between the Combine and all of the wheeling and dealing and goes, that goes on there and the actual start of free agency when all these contracts actually expire and all these other contracts, you know, become fully guaranteed. So all that still has yet to shake out. But at the Combine, there's a lot of rumors. And one of those rumors that came out on Wednesday is that the Vikings are shopping Trey Waynes. And I wanted to talk about not only that trade, but kind of the underlying logic behind it. And we're going to do another one of these weird economics episodes, because I think this gives us a really good excuse to talk about one of the concepts that I think really defines a lot of, of football strategy on, on the macro, you know, big picture level that we really talk about this time of year. So I'm going to step away to, to a quick ad break, and then I will explain a whole bunch more about all the nonsense that I just said. So I'll see you guys in a minute. All right, we are back. So for a little backstory, or if you just weren't online yesterday, Jason Lockenfora, uh 
published an article that said that, you know, a league source told him, hey, the Vikings are shopping around Trey Waynes. And whether or not you believe the rumor, that's not really what this is about. This is more of about the merits of like, well, would that make sense? And I think the easy cop-out answer is, well, it depends on the price, right? You're not going to unload him for a fifth-round pick. That's totally bad value. But if somebody offers you, you know, a first and a starting guard, yeah, you do, you turn that around in a heartbeat. And that means that there's some medium in between those two extremes where you're going to be happy and think that it's fair value. Call it a second-rounder or whatever. This isn't really going to litigate what the what that value should be. But we'll say whatever you think is fair, that would be the deal that we're considering. Should we trade Trey Waynes for whatever the fair value would be? So there's a bunch of things to kind of consider here, right? There's the the cap space that is saved. Trey Waynes currently has a $9 million cap hit with zero dead. However, that kicks in and becomes fully guaranteed on the 15th. So if you are going to get rid of him, you have to kind of do it now. Or do it, you know, like the second the clock strikes on March 13th, turning over the new league year, you have to kind of get rid of him right away and then see what happens to him in free agency or whatever. And then, you know, you save that money and you get draft capital in return to theoretically, like, replenish that value. And so with, like, draft compensation for players, so, like, like imagine this other scenario where instead Trey Waynes plays out his fifth-year option but then doesn't get extended, kind of like what we're looking at with Anthony Barr here, and then he leaves in free agency from a contract expiration and goes signs a huge deal somewhere else, now the Vikings get a compensatory pick. This is something that the Patriots are really, really good at manipulating, and no other team is, like, nearly as good at, at manipulating it. And the Patriots actually ended up dealing with a situation very similar to this with a guy named Chandler Jones, and they traded him to Arizona for a guard and a second round pick. And Chandler Jones was an amazing player. He still is an amazing player. He's probably the best player in Arizona right now. At least he is on that defense. And and the Patriots looked kind of crazy for unloading him for what kind of seemed to be like 75 cents on the dollar. And the reasoning was this, so they didn't have it in their plan to extend him. And that's fair, that's not even really an indictment of his merit or like an evaluation thing. It's just kind of like, well, he's going to want a huge contract and we think we can get similar performance for cheaper, so we're not going to extend him, we're going to let him go to free agency. And if you let him go to free agency and he signs a huge deal and you get a compensatory pick, well, that's a third round pick. That's the highest the compensatory formula lets you go. And you don't get that pick if you go out and sign your own free agent. So this happened to the Vikings this year. They lost guys to huge contracts, right? That Case Keenum signed a big contract. They lost Sam Bradford, who went and signed a big contract, and he ended up getting cut, so it didn't count anyways. But the point is, the Vikings lost like their whole quarterback room to big contracts, and they actually got a whole bunch of compensatory picks worth of free agency departures but because they went out and signed Kirk Cousins themselves and they went out and signed Sheldon Richardson, that like canceled all that out. That's how the formula works. So you have to basically avoid free agency and just let your guys go. And then all you get back is a third rounder. So it's not like the best resource to draw on. So if you're going to let a guy go anyways, and you can get a second round pick and a guard for him, then that's a much better deal than letting him walk in free agency. So depending on, on the Vikings future plans for Trey Waynes, uh, that, could be a a better gig if you can get a draft pick that's better than that third rounder. But you have to convince another team that he's actually worth like a second round pick or whatever. And maybe he is, right? He's a cornerback. He's a pretty good player. He's had a couple of strong years in a row after a, a pretty rocky start to his career. It seems like he's kind of past those growing pains. 
So yeah, maybe that's in the cards. So we don't have to like litigate what, you know, what level of cornerback play is worth what draft pick or whatever. That's like that's a really difficult question to answer and it's all kind of nebulous and there's going to be a lot of sub- subjectivity and matters of opinion. What I'd rather talk about is the idea in general of trading a starting corner for a draft pick. And part of it, like we just said, is, you know, saving on on the cap room and that is a benefit. But it's not a huge one because like we've been talking about basically for the last month, there's all kinds of ways to relieve stress on the cap. And in most of those like mock offseason plans, we never touched Trey Waynes except for the crazy Kirk Cousins one because like we had to just do everything in that one because it was just so dire. So the Vikings wouldn't be doing this to clear the cap space because very simply, they don't have to. They can restructure guys. They can do all kinds of other stuff. They can, you know, cut players that they definitely don't need anymore. There are much easier and less damaging ways to the roster to get rid of cap space. But the thing about it is that Trey Waynes plays a position that the Vikings have a ton of. So in the NFL, actions speak louder than words, right? Uh, Guys can get up to the podium all day and say, oh, you know, we believe in Trey Waynes and he's our guy, blah, blah, blah. And all of that will be quickly rendered irrelevant if they, you know, offload him to the Jets for a second round pick. But actions such as trading away Trey Waynes or even trying to, you know, provided that rumor is true, can tell us a lot about where the team stands mentally. Because for one, if they're trying to trade Trey Waynes, that means that they're okay with Trey Waynes not being a part of their future going forward. And that tells you a little bit about their evaluation of Trey Waynes. However, you know, a trade, this is something about trades that I think often gets misrepresented for the NFL. They're not like a punitive thing. I think that happens in the NBA sometimes where a player will just get like traded away as a way of kind of getting rid of them. That doesn't happen as much in the NFL. There's a great quote from Bill Belichick uh, when he traded Philip Dorsett for Jacoby Brissett. And he, you know, somebody asked him, like, why'd you trade away Jacoby Brissett? And he said, to acquire Philip Dorsett. And it was like this very, like, standard, you know, blasé answer to a question where they were trying to say, like, what was wrong with Jacoby Brissett? Why did you offload him? And his answer was just like, well, because they gave us a guy that I thought was worth more. Trades are a two-way street. You don't make a trade to get rid of somebody. You make a trade because whatever the other team is offering, in your opinion, is worth more than what you're giving up. And the only time a trade ever happens is when both teams see it that way. And we'll get a little bit more into kind of the logic of that because it's not always necessarily a discrepancy in evaluation. It's not always, you know, if the Vikings trade away Trey Waynes, they think he's bad and the team that's acquiring him thinks he's good. There there can be other things and we'll talk about that more in a second. But it means that the Vikings are comfortable with a future sans Trey Waynes. And the Vikings are not the kind of team that are just going to get rid of starters and not, you know, and just like expose themselves to a market to go find a new one. That either means that they have a cornerback that they want to draft that they feel really confident about getting and him developing and him going very, you know, doing well. And that's a lot of ifs. Or it means that they're really happy with somebody on the roster. And I think if you lose Trey Waynes and then you look at that cornerback room, you see Rhodes on one side, you see maybe Holton Hill or, you know, Mike Hughes on the outside, and then you see Mackenzie Alexander in the slot or some combination like that. And if they do try try to trade Trey Waynes, it tells us that the Vikings are comfortable with that rotation. And that is a really strong endorsement of the question marks in that room of, you know, is Mike Hughes going to be good in his second year? Is Holton Hill real? Or was he just kind of a a rookie year fluke as an undrafted free agent? And it also kind of tells us that if they're going to clear cap that way, that means that maybe they don't want to get rid of Sandejo and Remmers, which is something that in all of our offseason plans was like the first step because we thought it was the easiest decision. 
uh, you know, if they get rid of cap space that way, it kind of has that ripple effect throughout the rest of the roster where they don't really have to work as hard because it's just that much less money that they have to make before free agency. And remember, any trade deals that happen right now can't actually come to fruition until the new league year. Like that Joe Flacco trade we talked about a few weeks ago, that is all a handshake. And in principle, that doesn't actually officially happen until the league year turns over. Right now, everything is locked in. But, you know, guys can get together and shake hands and agree, and then reporters can get the leak of that, and they can basically have happened and just not officially go through. But it will officially go through before all the guaranteed money kicks in, so trading him would actually clear the cap space as it is intended. So evaluatively, trading him would kind of make a declaration about a few of the Vikings' like opinions, but it doesn't always work that way, and it doesn't always mean, you know, we just don't think he's good enough to be a Viking and we want to see what else we can get back for him. Sometimes the dynamic is a little bit different. I'm going to step away to an ad break, and when I come back, we'll talk a little bit about economics and how we can kind of take lessons from that and use it to make sense of some of the trades that NFL teams make. So I'll see you guys in a minute. Okay, we're back. So let's step away from football for a second. And let's talk about trade, but not the football kind of trade. Let's actually talk about economic trade, like trade between countries or or trades between, you know, you and your friend. So there's a concept that you've probably heard of called diminishing returns. The essential idea that the more you have of something, the less like the next iteration of that thing is worth. You know, your first box of Thin Mints, it's Girl Scout cookie season and I'm looking at a box of Thin Mints right now. Your first box of Thin Mints is very exciting. Your sixth box of Thin Mints probably isn't as exciting because you're probably pretty full by then. Or more seriously, take money. Your first dollar that you get when you're a kid or, you know, if you were broke, completely flat broke, zero dollars in the bank account and you got a hundred dollars, that would mean the world to you. If you're a millionaire and you get a hundred dollars, you barely blink an eye. The more you have of something, a a further gain of that thing just doesn't mean as much to you. And trade between countries is often facilitated because countries will have a ton of a certain thing. If, you know, Jamaica has a ton of sugar because you grow a bunch of sugar in Jamaica, they don't need all that sugar. So their, you know, 100,000th box of sugar is not that important to them. But in a place like, say, Norway, where you can't grow sugar and they need sugar really bad, they're willing to pay a lot more for that sugar than that sugar is worth to Jamaica. So Jamaica is willing to sell it. And similarly, Norway has a whole bunch of, I don't know, fish and a kind of fish that you can't get in Jamaica. And they have a huge surplus of that. So they have way more than they can ever use. And they're more than happy to give up a little bit of that fish to get sugar. They think they're getting a deal. And Jamaica is saying, oh, we just give up some of the sugar we don't care about. We get this awesome fish. Yeah, that's great. We'll make a deal. And that's basically how trade works in a nutshell, way oversimplified. But that's how trade works between countries. It's the same idea. Let me give you another example between you, the listener, and me. I have 10 cars. I'm very rich. I have 10 cars. And the 10th, but the difference between having nine cars and 10 cars is like kind of nothing, right? You just have a lot of cars. You don't have a car. But what you do have is TVs. For whatever reason, you have like 10 TVs, way more than you ever know how to what to do with. You just love buying TVs. And at this point, you have so many TVs that another one doesn't really excite you that much. I don't have a TV. So obviously, there is a deal that can be worked out here. Your 10th TV doesn't mean a lot to you, but it would be my first TV. So it means a ton to me. And the same goes vice versa with cars. So it's very easy to set up a deal. 
So relating this back to the NFL, I'm sure you can see where this is going. This happens all the time with different players, right? And especially different positions. The Vikings have been kind of on both sides of this coin. I think the most high profile one was Sam Bradford. The Eagles had two quarterbacks and they knew they liked what they had in Wentz at the time. So Sam Bradford was basically their backup plan or their stopgap guy. And and the value to a stopgap guy is pretty well documented considering like what people will pay a, a stopgap quarterback like Josh McCown versus what they'll pay somebody they think is going to be their franchise quarterback like Kirk Cousins, for example, or Alex Smith or whoever, you know, the last quarterback to be extended is. Josh McCown's always going to make a whole bunch less than those guys, right? Because your stopgap, you know, fill in while the rookie develops guy is just worth less to you. But for the Vikings, they saw Sam Bradford as a starter, and at the time, they actually saw Sam Bradford as like a possible long-term option. They talked about it a ton. Now, if the Vikings also had Carson Wentz on their roster, they probably come to the same conclusion as the Eagles. So this wasn't like a misalignment in the evaluation of Sam Bradford. This didn't have anything to do with like the Vikings just thinking Sam Bradford was better than the Eagles thought they wa- th- thought he was. It was just a difference in value. So the Vikings were willing to pay for a starting quarterback and the Eagles were getting a starting quarterback price for their backup quarterback. So it was a good deal for both sides, they saw at the time, and so they pulled the trigger. Similarly, the Vikings have kind of been on the other side of this coin. If you remember a few years ago when they traded away Gerald Hodges in the middle of the season, Gerald Hodges was basically competing at the time with Eric Kendricks for a, he was taking rotational snaps with Eric Kendricks, and they were kind of swapping in and out at a starting linebacker job. But at the time, you had three pretty good starting linebackers in Chad Greenway, Anthony Barr, and and a budding Eric Kendricks. So you didn't really have a need for, for Gerald Hodges. And in the meantime, San Francisco had a huge need for Gerald Hodges. So you have a team in the Vikings where Gerald Hodges is not a starter. And Eric Kendricks was going to take that job away from him. And on the 49ers at the time, Gerald Hodges would have immediately come in and been the starter. He would have been good enough in you know relative to the rest of that San Francisco 49ers team to start. It's the same thing as cars and TVs. So the Niners offer us Nick Easton and uh, a sixth round pick and, and the deal gets done. Nick Easton turns out to be way more valuable to the Vikings than Gerald Hodges would have been. And I think Gerald Hodges ended up being more valuable to the 49ers than Nick Easton would have been. So both parties kind of walk away happily. So bringing this back to the whole Trey Waynes thing, like I talked about earlier in the episode, that cornerback room actually kind of still has the answers. You know, you have Holton Hill, if the Vikings believe in Holton Hill, and I know there's a huge question mark, but for the benefit of of the doubt, let's just say the Vikings believe that he can be a starter. And and they kind of have a point. There's actually an argument to be made for that. Or that he can compete with Mike Hughes for the outside job. And that's an even more stable situation because you kind of have like a backup plan, right? If you think about, think about Mike Hughes and Holton Hill, both as 50-50 propositions, just to to make the math easy. So they're both coin flips, right? Well, if you have them compete for outside corner and they each have a 50-50 chance to be good, well, you have scenarios where they're both good, right? That's 25% of the time. If you flip a coin, they'll both land on heads 25% of the time. You have two different 25% chunks where one is good and the other isn't, and you're still fine, right? You got a good starter out of that, and really only 25% of the time, both of them are bad and you have a problem. 
Now, obviously, that's way too simple. They're not 50-50 propositions. They're something else, be it better or worse. That's kind of subjective and up to your opinion. But say the Vikings have a high opinion of those guys and think they're better than 50-50, they'd totally be comfortable with that competition. And then you have Mackenzie Alexander, who just kind of came off of like the best four-game stretch of his life in the end of the 2018 season, and potentially Mike Hughes also competing with him and offering that same dynamic. So they could be really comfortable with that cornerback room without Trey Waynes, which means the Vikings are a team that doesn't value Trey Waynes nearly as highly as a team that like desperately needs a corner would value Trey Waynes. And suddenly you have, you know, what's the price for a starting cornerback? Eh, probably a second rounder. If you look at the Marcus Peters trade, which I think is a reasonable proxy, even though it probably at that time Marcus Peters was seen as a better cornerback than Trey Waynes is seen as now. Uh, you know, he, the, the youth is similar and he's a starting level cornerback and those kind of nuances tend to get lost in the shuffle of all the other factors. He was traded for a second rounder and some change. So I think take away the change, and I think you then reasonably represent the difference between the two, and a second rounder would be reasonable compensation. So the Vikings probably get more out of that second rounder, because that second rounder could be one of these draft guards that we're all starting to crush on here and really get to know as the combine is underway, probably as you're listening to this. And on a team that doesn't necessarily need Trey Waynes as a cornerback, and remember, this has nothing to do with how good he is. This is all has to do with the situation surrounding him. That is probably a good deal for the Vikings, and a team that needs a cornerback probably is just spending that second rounder on a rookie cornerback. They'll take Trey Waynes over a rookie cornerback any day because they already have tape on him and they already know what their evaluation is versus a guy that you don't know if he's going to translate to the pros or not. So both teams would make that deal and it would work out. So the Vikings are shopping Trey Waynes around for that. I I think that it makes sense from that kind of, I guess you'd call it like a pseudo-economic perspective. Um, You know, I I usually am not a fan of getting rid of starting quality players because they're difficult to replace. Um, And, and you know, to justify this deal, you have to work under the assumption that we are okay with outside, you know, cornerback two being either Holton Hill or Mike Hughes. And, And I don't know if that's necessarily a certain thing, but that would be the declaration that the Vikings are making. Or at least that the drop off from, you know, Trey Waynes to call it Mike Hughes is worth less than the draft pick that they get in return. So we'll see how it all shakes out. We're probably going to see a lot more rumors and a lot more conjecture, and we'll see all kinds of awesome combine stuff. We'll recap it all on uh, Monday's show, and we'll we'll definitely get to another mock offseason sometime next week. I promise I, I have a really cool one lined up. But that is going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Vikings. It's going to do it for this week of Locked on Vikings. Thank you all so much for listening and uh, and for hanging out all week, especially in this dead part of the season. Draft hype is about to ramp up. We're going to do all kinds of great draft stuff in the, uh, what is it, like six, seven weeks leading up to the actual draft day. We'll talk all about free agency as that continues to go on. And, uh, and I can't wait. This is going to be a really fun off-season to spend with you guys. So thank you all so much for listening. As always, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. I will see you all on the other side of the Combine. Skull.